What's your favorite thing about Easter? Favorite thing? I would pick one thing, what would it be? Anything? Easter eggs. Mine too. Chocolate. How is that for chocolate? Now, he's interested now, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Have a little seat over there for a moment, okay? There is an egg for everyone at the end, by the way. Um, we're actually probably going to nip out, out to the streets afterwards as well to give a few more out just to see who we connect up with there. So, eggs. You know one thing about who, who likes chocolate? Anybody? Few people, yeah? Chocolate. If you're in any doubt about chocolate, a couple of facts for you. Do you know that chocolate now is proven to control heart disease, strokes, even cancer. If you need any more excuse to eat chocolate, it's also supposed to make you smarter. Is that good news or what? <laughs> chocolate. Any, anything else you like about Easter? Chocolate as well, yeah? Nerve gun. Okay. <laughs> Loose connection, but yeah, good. You know what I, I like? Fluffy bunny rabbits. Who doesn't like a fluffy bunny rabbit? Oh, aren't they just so cuddly? Yeah? Beautiful. Tell you what. When Rosie was a baby, when she was born, somebody gave her a rabbit, not this one, but one that looked a little bit like this one, and she loved that rabbit so much. In fact, she would never, ever go to sleep without it. You know what we did? We bought five of them. A little tip for any new parents or people with young kids, if your child has got so attached to a certain cuddly animal that they won't sleep without it, buy the shops out, buy as many as you can get. That one's for free, okay? Yeah, take it with you. Use that one. Very, very useful. The question is, of course, you see, how did we get from the cross to chocolate and fluffy bunny rabbits? I'm not upset about that, but, you know, I love funny fun. Anyway, how do we get there? You see, the reality is the, Easter, the, 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 the main story of Easter is much, much more gritty than that. After all, it's about the barbaric death of a man. How do we get there? Some people talk a little about Jesus. The question is, why was Jesus more important than any other man? What was significant about him? What was different about that particular man? After lots of people died on a cross, lots of people die. So why Jesus? Some people talk about the cross as being some sort of cosmic, mathematical um, lesson or some brutal experiment. But listen, the Bible has got lots of verses about Jesus, about the cross. And none of them say that. In fact, the very opposite is true because what Jesus' death was not some sort of cold, formal act. Instead, it was an act of outrageous love. Jesus loves us so much 
God loves us so much that he sent his son into this world to die for you and me. It's outrageous, isn't it? Absolutely outrageous. And that love was so strong that it put the love of a father for his son and a son for his father to the ultimate test. Now, when I was three years old, me and my twin brother were playing out in a little area behind our house. Getting closer. In a little area behind our house. And mum and dad were in the office. They were doing some work, just doing some paperwork for the farm on which we, we lived. And things went quiet after about five or ten minutes. Now, again, if you've got kids, you know if there's lots of noise around, you don't worry. When things are quiet, that's when you begin to worry. And things had gone very quiet. So mum had to check to see where we were. Couldn't find us anywhere. Checked all the gates, completely locked. She thought maybe we'd slipped into the house. So she checked all the rooms in the house. Couldn't find us. By this stage, they're starting to get a little bit worried. So dad goes into the yard and he checks around the different houses in the farmyard. Still no sign of us. Mum, she heads down the lane towards the main road. Can't find us anywhere. By now, they are beginning to think the worst. They jump into the car. They drive around the roads. 20 minutes have gone past. 30 minutes. Still no. And then suddenly, out of the corner of their eye, they see two little blue anoraks running around a field, chasing calves around in field, in fact. They got a little bit closer, and what's happened, we have managed to scale a four-foot wall, go across two fields, through a couple of barbed wire fences, over a main road, into another field, and there we are, quite happy, playing with some calves in the middle of a field. All this time, my parents are panicking, as you can only imagine if you're a parent. But listen, they never stop looking for us. They just don't think, oh, been looking for 10 minutes now, they'll be fine. They're not thinking that. They look and they search for us until they find us. Listen, your heavenly Father's love for you is so great, it can never, it can never be exhausted can never be exhausted. And he will not give up on you. And the cross of Jesus is proof that he will never give up unto you. If Paul says in Romans chapter 8, in fact, he asks the question, he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? It's almost a statement because he goes on to, he goes on to add, he who did not spare his own son, but give him up for us all. And God was willing to give his son, Jesus, to die for you. And what lies at the heart of the Easter story is a message of love. A message of love. But why the cross? Why did Jesus have to die. Was there no other way? 
when there was no other way. Let me explain it this way. Who likes to make aeroplanes? Oh, good, good stuff, right? Let's get some paper. Now, I've got a challenge for you, okay? My challenge is this. Grab a bit of paper. Do you want to you throw some paper around? I'm going to grab one myself, okay? The challenge is, I want you to be able to make the best aeroplane in the world. You've got two minutes, only two minutes, okay, to do it. And uh, you want to be able to make an aeroplane that's going to be able to hit that ceiling. Okay? How's that for a challenge? Anyone who hits that ceiling gets an extra egg. Fair's fair. Yeah? Have a go. Right, Matthew, start the timing there now. Let's get it going. I haven't got one yet. Oh, I have to be faster then. Let's keep the show on the road, you know. <laughs> How are we doing? The thing about aeroplanes, everybody will make them a little bit different. Whoa. That's the start, by the way. That's your two minutes starting. How are we getting on? If you want to test flight, you can have it. You've got two minutes until the, uh, until the, the set-off time. Whoa. <laughs> 56, 55, 54. Some very impressive airplanes coming up here. Okay, we've got nearly 30 seconds left. Whoa! <laughs> that was a good one. Hmm? Somebody's airplane coming back to them. Marks, I think it was. Whoa! <laughs> There we go. Okay, you ready? All together on the count of three. You ready? You ready? One. What's that? Up to the ceiling. Okay. You're going to have to hit the ceiling. Okay. Obviously, don't aim for the easy bit. <laughs> One, two, three, go! Woo! Yay! Well done. It's brilliant. Cool. Now, <laughs> and calm. <laughs> Excellent. So, who hit this? I think one or two got there. Yeah, good. 
at the, grab an extra egg at the end if you've got one. It's great. Now, one of the things, what if, what if I'd asked you to hit the moon? Let me do that. What do you think? Yeah? No, 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 I don't think so. It's pretty impossible. Listen, there's something else that the Bible says is, is impossible. It says it's impossible for us to meet God's standards. It tells us that the reason for that is because of the wrong things that we have done. It's because of our attitude sometimes. It's because of the sin that's in our lives. We can try as hard as we want. We will never be able to hit God's standard. In a way in which an airplane like that will never hit the moon, we can never possibly reach God's standards. In fact, the Bible tells us in Romans 3, verse 23, for all have sinned and they fall short of the glory of God. But the thing about sin, not only does sin keep us from God's standards, sin tends to damage us. It tends to affect our lives. In fact, it tends to rip us apart sometimes. Is that about sin? It can destroy people. So what we, what we generally do, we trend, generally try to, to work a little bit harder. So what if, what if we were to build a rocket? Forget airplanes. What if we were to build a rocket? If we were good enough to build a paper rocket, would that hit the moon? No, don't think so. Don't think so. You see, nothing we can do is good enough to meet God's perfect standards. The fact is, an utterly perfect God must hold us responsible for our sin. He cannot simply ignore them because the right thing must be done. Justice must be done. But listen, God has made a way. Didn't build a rocket, but it was through the cross. Through the cross that Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with God. And what happened on that cross in the most amazing way, the greatest mystery, Jesus took our sin, he took all the wrong things that we have done, and he died in our place. And what happened to Jesus on that cross? He experienced two things for the very first time. First of all, he experienced the pain and the suffering of a sinner. Not his sin, no, your sin and my sin. As I've mentioned, I grew up on a dairy farm. Now, one thing I learned about cows is that they poo a lot. Yeah, they poo a lot. They just do. You're in the milking parlor, if you've ever been one, you're normally down below them. The tail goes up, and then all this stuff comes out of their back ends. It just gets very messy. By the time I finished milking cows, I smell of poo. I am covered in poo. I just look like a poo. It's pretty disgusting, to be honest. Pretty disgusting. What must it have been like for the cleanest person who ever lived to be thrown into the vilest, most stinkiest, most poo-filled swamp? Yet that only gives us a glimpse 
of what it cost Jesus to take our sin and to die in our place. On that cross, a two-way swap took place. Jesus, he took your sin and he gave us his rightness. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, God put the wrong things on him who never did anything wrong so we could be put right with God. Listen, Jesus takes our sin and we, we get his righteousness. Without Jesus, we are hopeless. Without Jesus, we are lost. Your future is an eternity of separation from God, but through Jesus, through the cross of Jesus Christ, we have hope, we have a future, our sins are forgiven, and we receive that by coming to him by faith, by putting our hope, by putting our trust in the one who loved us enough to die for us. Guys, that is why the cross is so important. Without the cross, we have no hope. But because of the cross, we have Jesus who can save us, who can change us, who can give us a new life, a new start. It's what Jesus calls being born again. Well, there's one final thing I want to mention of why Jesus is so important, and that is he is alive. He's alive. And what makes this man's death so amazing is that he's not dead anymore. He's alive. He's alive today. You see, Good Friday wasn't that good for Jesus. You know that, don't you? He was beaten. He was spat upon. He was whipped. A crown of thorns was forced upon his head. He was nailed to a Roman cross. He was left there to hang and to bleed and to die. That's a bad day by any standards. Am I right? I'm right. But listen, by the time Sunday came, everything had changed. Because on Sunday, Jesus is no longer dead. He is alive. Now, I want to show a little clip as we finish, just about two minutes long. And it's, it's the words of a readily famous preacher called Pastor Lockridge, made more famous by a guy called Tony Compolo, who wrote a book about this. And the title of this, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming.